0: Welcome back for another episode of Edible Ethics. I'm Jason, and I'm with Stephanie. And today we're going to get good and high while talking about dying and death.
1: I know, right? (laughs) That's good we're high. So I, I made sure I got high today for that reason.
0: Yeah, I suspect one of the best reasons to get high is to have these kinds of deep conversations.
1: And to face death.
0: In particular.
1: (laughs) So I took, you know, I have taken usually between 5 milligrams to 7 milligram gummy, um, usually towards the 5 milligram, but this time I made sure to go closer to the 7 milligrams (laughs) of THC and 7 milligrams... Seven milligrams of CBN.
0: Yeah. So normally people talk about um, CBD, but this is CBN. This is, as you say, a newer kind of interesting thing.
1: Another cannabinoid. Am I saying the name right?
0: No. Cannabinoid. (laughs)
1: That's right. That sounds better. Um, That supposedly reduces inflammation, but really... (sighs) Who knows? How are you high?
0: Oh, I'm high in a variety of ways. I started about uh, an hour ago with some fast-acting gummies. So these are a combination of CBD and THC, one-to-one. They're 10 milligrams each. And the claim on the package is that their onset time is 5 to 15 minutes. Wow. Wow. That's fast. While their duration is two to four hours. So instead of waiting around wondering whether I'm getting high, these fast-acting gummies will tell you pretty fast, you're high or you're not, and you need maybe one more. Or in your case, you need to up the dose from, you know, five to seven or seven to ten. <laughs> yeah, right. And
1: you, so you found
0: they work. I, I do find that there is an immediate or semi-immediate onset. Part of it, I suspect, is a, a placebo effect or an expectation effect. But I'm willing to accept that because I genuinely, authentically feel different after 15 minutes. There you go. You're high, you're high. So that's what I started with. And then I went outside and I decided to hit the joint. Oh, an actual joint. An actual joint, a pre-rolled joint, and this one is a hybrid, and it's not a very high quality one. Um, so, what by, by which I mean, it's not a brand name one. It's you know a shop version, uh, so it doesn't have the same kind of potency as a brand name one would, but it definitely offers me that kind of immediate full body, but also lightheaded uh, in the in the good way. Sensation.
1: Okay, well, we both sound ready, then, to tackle death.
0: I do have my pen handy. As uh, Stephanie knows, I like to, well, uh, as repeat listeners know, I like to hit the pen during the uh, course of our recording sometimes to loosen my muscles and, and get me talking and thinking and so forth. Um, so I have that at the ready, and that has got a high-quality, hybrid, uh, high-potency strain. Nice. So would you like to get us started, Stephanie?
1: Yeah, I mean, you said death and dying, but we're going to narrow that down a little bit, right? So we're talking specifically about aided dying?
0: Yeah, exactly. Today, we're going to talk about aid and dying. And in particular, because, you know, this landscape of even thinking about, let alone talking about, let alone planning for death, is really ethically fraught and complicated. We just really wanted to have a much more specific focus for us today, even though that focus allows us to ask these deeper questions uh, about, you know, what kind of death do I want to have? So let's get started. Medical aid in dying is our top.
1: And before we start talking about what we think about this issue, let's talk just briefly about our own deaths.
0: (laughs) Uh, We have not died.
1: (laughs) We have not died. How do you feel about your own death?
0: I wrote a haiku recently in which I clarified that at some points in my life, I very richly craved my own death, but I don't think I've ever been particularly fearful of it. I'm much more ambivalent. About it, Uh, I do think that I've got some wishes I'd like to be carried out, but I have not made those wishes clear to anyone really beyond my sister.
1: I have had fear around death, sometimes very substantial and painful. That abided somewhat as I grew into adulthood, and then it got better or more manageable to a degree when I had children, because then I... Was more afraid of them dying than myself.
0: Okay. Okay. So it didn't exacerbate it by increasing the number of people to worry about to three. It allowed you to transfer your concern from one person to two.
1: Right. Because it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like my fear of other people dying is different for me than my fear of myself dying. Agreed. Okay. It was more. Yes. I replaced. It was a bigger, it's a bigger fear to witness my own children dying than to die myself, which is, you know, that's a little bit selfish, right? Because I'm saying (laughs) they are going to die whether I'm around to see it or not.
0: You'd rather they watch you die.
1: Yeah. So it's, again, a little bit selfish. Like I should be there for their (laughs) deaths. And I'm not like, I'm I'm out. I'm out of town. (laughs) So, okay. Well, so that, I mean, I didn't know that that you have not had fear around it.
0: Um, Yeah. In part because I don't have any dependents. So I have nowhere else to deflect it. I mean, I'm certainly more concerned about my loved ones dying than I am concerned about my own death. So, for instance, you know, any close friends or uh, even, you know, close colleagues, students, former students, I wouldn't want to see anybody pass. So
1: anyone, you're more afraid of anyone in the world (laughs) dying than you? Like, better you die. Better you die than a former student is what you're saying?
0: Uh, not so much better, it's just that my mind is more preoccupied with, uh, with, if I were to think it through, my mind would be more preoccupied with that than with my own death. It's not that I'm valuing them differently in any sort of conscious way.
1: I mean, I'm having a start here because I think this is a conversation that often disguises itself as a conversation about ethics and morality, when really it's a conversation about mortality and the people... And people's feelings about their own deaths,
0: a hundred percent. So,
1: we're going to keep in mind our feelings about mortality as we move through this discussion of of medical aid in dying, which is a discussion that happened recently on a on a national scale in
0: Canada. So, I became aware of the situation in Canada actually. Somewhat inadvertently, I was giving a lecture to some, I was giving a lecture to some health professional students about dying and death and about how to elicit conversations uh, with their patients about these very complicated topics. And uh, at the end of the class, one of the students came up to me and said, what do you think of what's going on in Canada? And I said, I have no idea what's going on in Canada. And he pointed me to a statistic from a recent report in Canada indicating that over the course of 2022, there were 13,241 medical aid in dying provisions reported in Canada, accounting for 4.1% of all deaths nationwide. So we should say
1: Canada recently enacted... Not not terribly recently, but a couple few years ago.
0: Yeah, about seven years ago.
1: Oh, seven years ago, a national medical aid in dying program. Exactly. So we have some on the state level here in the U.S. Um, there's other countries that provide legislatively for aid in dying, but this is this is a fairly robust example, you know, directly to the to the north of us.
0: Exactly, and so what. Focused on was that 4.1% of all deaths in Canada number. Because I had just been presenting on data from Oregon, which is the state that first managed to enact and uh, put into effect a statute permitting death with dignity, is what it's called, but medical aid in dying more broadly. And over the course of the first decade or so of those. Of those deaths in Oregon, we're talking about a very small percentage. Even 10 years after the program was established, we're talking about 60 out of 30,000 plus deaths in Oregon, which is 0.002% of the Oregon population. In Canada, 4.1% of the population.
1: I had heard of what's going on in Canada as well. I didn't hear that statistic. But I had, you know, a number of relatives or Facebook friends um, from the right side of the political equation offering some, you know, panicked remarks and commentary on what was happening in Canada.
0: Mm. And in particular, was it this increase uh, year after year of the number of provisions for medical aid in dying that was of concern?
1: I don't think it was um, in response to any particularly statistics, more that there was a lot of kind of right-wing news coverage about the whole program and that they were essentially, you know, offering it to anyone who came in with like a broken ankle or (laughs) feeling a little sad. Indeed. It seems like there's kind of an interesting coalition against medical aid in dying.
0: Do say more.
1: I mean, you definitely hear it from the right-wing the political right wing in America, in any case, you hear it from the the conservative Christian community,
0: which often aligns with the political right, but not always.
1: But you also hear it from people like disability advocates,
0: and disability advocates definitely, certainly, uh, fall on the left, and you know, potentially far left side of the spectrum compared to how far the right has. Recently. So you're right. There's an interesting amalgamation, uh, you know, what people used to call strange bedfellows.
1: No, let's see what, if we can figure out why that is.
0: Well, uh, typically they give different kinds of reasons for their objections. What are the objections? Well, why don't you start with what are the objections?
1: Well, I mean, this is interesting for me because I mean, I, I know I, I hear them,
0: but they don't resonate.
1: They don't resonate with me at all. I mean, so, I mean, I think you you get from the left, from the political left, people like disability advocates, concerned that people will be ushered to their death.
0: Absolutely.
1: Who are coming in in a vulnerable state and will be manipulated into thinking that what they need is medical assistance in dying rather than assistance in other areas of their life, even within the healthcare.
0: Yeah, Exactly. And there's, uh, for what it's worth, I don't know what the evidence is in favor of that claim, but the presumption in favor of that claim is absolutely dramatic based on anecdotes left, right, and center. Not left, right, and center politically. I mean, from every jurisdiction in which medical aid in dying is practiced. I mean, there are typically very elaborate safeguards put in place to protect against exactly the kinds of abuses that those on the left worry about whether those particular safeguards satisfy those on those on the left is a different question but for what it's worth it's not quite clear what kinds of accommodations would satisfy those on the right Uh, because those on the right argue effectively that life in itself is the overriding value and therefore uh, we prioritize life over everything. And even though life may be painful and life may be awful and life may be short and brutish and brutal, life is better than death. And therefore, there is never a place for any kind of aid and dying, medical or otherwise. How do you accommodate I, that view?
1: Which is is it, um, <laughs> I was going to say something
0: by the way i've hit the pen about 15 times since we started talking
1: <laughs> yeah and you're talking in long paragraphs man yeah but you know what
0: this time my long paragraphs are 100 percent on track
1: well we'll see i can't track them
0: <laughs> because i recognize when they were off track in other episodes i would say oh wait a second i have no idea what <laughs> that hasn't happened here but these paragraphs are 100 percent decipherable. I'm willing to bet I could put them in logical form for you. <laughs> that,
1: that was that was half the point. Half the point was that you were not able to keep track of them, and then, yeah. but the other half was th- that was good because <laughs> we shouldn't be speaking in paragraphs.
0: I still have that problem, Stephanie. You're right. I because mean, you're not the only person that has to keep track of them. Those listening have to keep track of them. Other people are ought to be my more <laughs> you know important concern.
1: Okay, wait a minute. Let me get my point back. Life about. about <clears throat> All other. Yeah, I mean, so what's problematic about that, for me, one, the reductive view of life that is pure biological, you know, electrical, physical.
0: Yep, it has nothing to do with aliveness.
1: So your social life, your emotional life, the experience of life. And the other piece is that's fine if you think your own life, physical, biological life, is the most important value.
0: Mm-hmm. But you're telling
1: other people that they're not allowed to do it. Either.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And that's because there's this, you know, presumption that capital L life is what matters, not my life or your life, small L.
1: So I wonder kind of emotionally where they're coming from. Like what is what is the fear?
0: They're coming from a place of fear. Fear both for their own mortality, but also fear for their own sort of almost sense that without behaving this way in their earthly life, they won't make it to the promised afterlife.
1: Perhaps. For me, the thought of... <laughs> <laughs> For me, the the thought that I could get aid, effective aid in choosing the time of my death helps me manage the fear of dying.
0: You know, typically when we talk about this, we talk about this as end of life planning or advanced care planning. I think that's the wrong language. I think we ought to describe this as life planning. We are planning our lives and our lives inevitably include uh, death. Death, as Dave Barry once uh, opined, you know, death It's our biggest killer.
1: (laughs) And you have said, which I think is nicely put, that you see this kind of ethical issue aren't about death and dying. They're about death or dying.
0: Exactly. I think that's the way we ought to think about this. What we're sort of offering the opportunity for with medical assistance in dying is the opportunity to end one's dying process. Yes, simultaneously it ends one's life. But the goal, the ambition, is to end one's dying. Uh, Is that ushering in death? Well, in every case we're talking about inevitable death or just about inevitable death.
1: Are you suggesting that there is an outcome that is not death so is there such you keep saying inevitable death is there
0: (laughs) any other kind absolutely effectively can i get in on that so well no because what you will what you'll be experiencing is dying prolonged over a very long period what you will have experienced is what we're currently offering is a slightly increased lifespan. uh, No, 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 wait.
1: Wait, you didn't didn't get my joke.
0: Damn it. (laughs) Say it again, please.
1: So are you suggesting there's something other than inevitable death? I was under the impression that death was always (laughs) inevitable.
0: Uh, I'm not suggesting that.
1: Okay, because you're talking about inevitable death. Getting this, this is so, when.
0: So what you're doing is you're doing a strunken white on me and telling me I ought to eliminate unnecessary <laughs> words.
1: No, but it's just He's kind of <laughs> at me. Death is inevitable for all of us. We yeah. are all slowly dying.
0: I've got the bumper sticker for you. <laughs> death is inevitable. No. Prolonged dying is not.
1: Well, prolonged, because you know, the also the argument can be made is we're all of us. Slowly dying.
0: Yes, no, that's true. But uh, there's a
1: level of there's a level of suffering when we enter this state where most of us would describe ourselves as dying.
0: There's a- so, if you prefer, do you want the better bumper sticker: death is inevitable, <laughs> prolonged suffering isn't.
1: Yes, right. Okay, so
0: yeah. let's open that store. Uh, <laughs> we'll put a link in the show notes for you to get the bumper sticker, the T-shirt, <laughs> the buttons, and the uh, mouse pads. Do people still use mouse pads? Oh, uh, Yeah, for sure. Oh, and totally because of us, we should get some bongs and one hitters that are branded by us that you can get through our mm-hmm. online store.
1: I want to go back to your sayings. I like both sayings that what we're doing here is life planning. Thank you. Because that encourages us to think of
0: death as an inevitable part of life.
1: As an inevitable part of life, and so people, you know, having the right to life as fundamental should include a right to make decisions about the end of that
0: life. The right to self determination points in that direction as well.
1: Yeah, and I like that. You know, it's not death and dying; it's death or dying as well. Even even with the caveats like we just described that we're all dying, but right because it again shifts the emphasis off of death and back on this active process of over which we have control, which is dying and and dying with dignity. So what what you're choosing is your way of dying and not so much choosing your death, which I think it goes back to what you were saying that they think, you know, that people that pose it think that life is the highest value. I think also the problem is that for a lot of people, death is the greatest evil.
0: You make an excellent point there. And it's, um, I think, put it in that, in that not just values context, but in that particular context of good versus evil, or virtue versus vice, or sin. Yeah, absolutely. There's that.
1: You know, in fact, it's it is the greatest sin, right? Because of those who are not sinful or, or absolved of their sin will not will will rise again so to to die is to fail and it's this shameful thing about dying that we have so weird because everyone does it it
0: is inevitable and yet
1: you lose the battle if you die
0: yeah even though apparently life was the most important value right right <laughs> stephanie usually at this point in the podcast You turn to me and say, Jason, what do you think is your most important take home from today's discussion? And I'd like to turn the tables on you and ask that question of you. Oh, you want me
1: to go first is what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, man, this has been a difficult conversation for me to keep the thread on. Which I guess is good.
0: <laughs> well, I think it has a result. I think it's as a result of your level of highness today. I think With so. That particular, you know, push toward the seven rather than the five. There's a difference.
1: Yeah. yeah, I've been high before, but I don't know if it's a combination of the subject and the marijuana. But whatever
0: I've done today has allowed me to determine. That the logic of this conversation is pretty straightforward, except for the two places where you said, hey, Jason, stop doing that, and you'll just cut that bit out. <laughs> you won't even have to change the order of anything. Editing this will be as easy as a Sunday morning. I
1: think you're going to be very, you're going to be very surprised. I think that my biggest takeaway is just still what I went in the conversation with is that really important before getting into the weeds of (laughs) talking about an ethical issue like dying and death. It's really important to get an emotion check and try to establish kind of the emotional landscape of this issue on which the ethical landscape.
0: Absolutely. And I'll admit at times to having a kind of ambivalence toward my own death. I didn't use that language earlier when you asked me. Um, you did,
1: actually. And, you said that exact word.
0: Oh, well, good. So <laughs> earlier I mentioned that I, as Stephanie just reminded, earlier I mentioned exactly what I denied just mentioned, just denied mentioning that, <laughs> what did I, what was it? Oh, that I'm ambivalent <laughs> about my own death. That doesn't mean I feel ambivalent about death in general. And even though I think in general I'm in favor of medical aid in dying, with appropriate provisions in place, and I'm not entirely sure what those provisions are yet. Uh, I don't have the perfect policy worked out. I um, uh, forgot the beginning of that sentence. <laughs> last paragraph.
1: Your ambivalence towards death, but yeah. towards your own death, doesn't mean you're ambivalent yeah. <laughs> toward death.
0: About death. So the fact that I'm ambivalent toward my own death, as I said earlier, doesn't mean I'm ambivalent about death in particular. Sorry. <laughs> the fact that I'm ambivalent about my own death uh, doesn't mean I'm ambivalent about death in particular. I'm just not entirely sure what I, I make of it. It's more undetermined for me yet. I care about so what... it. So I'm not ambivalent. <laughs> Shush! Are you high or something? Uh... I think Stephanie is high today. Uh... Is a kitten licking your feet or something?
1: You said a number of times that, that you don't care about your own death, just death in general. But you, but you said twice you didn't even get that right. Your death in particular. There's like like your death. Like who cares? And then there's all the rest of us in particular. Whose death matters some way. <laughs>
0: I don't understand the issue yet. So you should text me later and explain it.
1: You said... You, we'll swap in for another word for ambivalent. Just because I don't care about myself dying doesn't mean I don't care about death. <laughs> Which is very much saying, like, just because I don't care if I die doesn't mean... I'm not concerned with yeah. all of the rest of you.
0: No, no, no. I think what I was trying to say is uh just because I don't care about my own that doesn't mean I don't care about capital D death. That's, yeah, that's bizarre. That's bizarre. No, I'm a
1: philosopher. <laughs> that's like saying right? cuz my life doesn't matter at all. It doesn't mean I don't care. This is like a total. What
0: you're saying is I care more about the concept of death than I care about my own life. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I don't think that's what I'm saying. I think that's your highness.
1: No. But you, you.
0: By the way, I too love addressing you as your highness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like who else? It's like you, like you lumped everyone, all, any particular person. Because you said death in particular, which meant kind of like any particular person. You can care. You care about their life, just no, not no. Your... Death in general.
0: I said death in particular when I said it wrong. That was a. That you, and was then a,
1: you said I, I said it wrong, and then you said it again.
0: That was an outtake. Replay because the you tape. The, mm, it's funny. So, what's your big takeaway? That if you want to be able to sort of live in the moment, you need to be thinking about the future, and that is. Uh, the phenomenon that I'm just calling here life planning, and it includes end-of-life planning. But I don't want us to think about end-of-life planning as particularly scary because it involves death. I want us to think about end-of-life planning as part of life planning because it, like death, is inevitably a part of life. Life planning. And life planning offers a you know phenomenal majesty, ma- sorry, a phenomenal magisterial sense of autonomy and self-actualization. Amen. <laughs> Hashtag testify. Hashtag
1: <laughs> testify. All right, well, we might have to uh, come back to this issue at another point.
0: Oh, several times. In the meantime, I do want to suggest, though, that y'all do something very important. And that's find us on TikTok. Oh, that's right. We're launched on TikTok under Edible Ethics. I found it. I'm terrible at TikTok. So (laughs) y'all ought to be able to find it. Please uh, watch the uh, uh, entire videos. If you find them interesting, please watch them all the way through. Heart them. Follow us. And then tell your friends.
1: (laughs) That's right. And and we appreciate any... Reviews are like her follows on your podcast platform of choice as well. That helps people find our little
0: show. Pass the podcast to the left-hand side. Join <laughs> us in a couple of weeks getting good and high. And thank you for joining us today for the same purpose. I'm Jason and... Stephanie. And we're signing off. Sayonara. <laughs>